0: Welcome back to the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast. It is just before the Stanley Cup Final, and thank God the New York Islanders are not in it, so we can celebrate a little bit.
1: Or the Come. Vegas Golden Knights. Or
0: the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, here's here's my story about that.
1: Maybe the most insufferable fan base in hockey right now.
0: No, it's not the most insufferable fan base in hockey. It's people who root for the Vegas Golden Knights on behalf of proxy for other things. <sighs> Those are the worst people. The Golden Knights themselves are fine. I don't care. That's kind
1: of like square rhombus to me. You know?
0: uh, okay, that's fine. Fine, fine enough. <laughs> but um, they're out. Uh, the Lightning are moving on. And people... Somebody asked me, like, why are you rooting for the Lightning? And I said, I'm doing it for aesthetic reasons. If the Lightning win the Stanley Cup, everybody's going to try to be built like the Lightning. And that's good for hockey. If they're trying to be built like the Islanders, that's bad for hockey. We don't want that.
1: Uh, I agree and disagree. Points. I think there's a lot to learn and a lot that NHL teams uh, can copy from the Islanders. The consistency, the, um, I think the ability to adjust your game to win versus adjust your game to be exciting or to score goals because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, I think their ability to do more with less is pretty inspiring for clubs that uh, need to do that. Um, and a lot of their players, like Anders Lee, to me, that's Patrick Elias 2.0 uh, in a way. And I think that there needs to be more of those players. And and I And I don't mind that style. I think at times it can be boring and I fall asleep and at times it can be exciting. But it's effective and if it suits your purposes and it is getting results, that should be Accepted and kind of cheered. But I do agree. I like the way the Lightning were built. I want them to get their cup. You know, I wanted them to get into a cup and win their cup so it's over and done with. They get their cup and we can move on. Um,
0: we need to appreciate just how that would good be nice. and insanely amazing they've been the last six years. There's no better team yeah. in hockey than the Lightning. They need to win the cup to, to uh, obviously accentuate that. But also, it yeah, is, as I, I, I said, there's a but, certain element of. I understand that this is a style of hockey that can be played and that can work, but there is a point in which I have a line and I'm going to compare it to um, Jose Mourinho again. Like if Jose Mourinho's teams play really well, the way he wants them to play, then there is something good about that. And if you are a tactics nerd, it's interesting, but most of the time it's not interesting at all. And it is kind of boring. And the Lightning, in many ways, remind me, as I said, of teams that are coached like by Pep Guardiola. I've made that metaphor before, and like the Lightning winning, it gives credence to you can play that way. Now, I'm not saying like because the Leafs are going to have to learn this at some but- point. A lot of other teams are going to have to learn this. You need some element of like you know, the Barkley Goodrows, the Blake Coleman kinds of players, but they don't have to be bad at hockey. Like, I think people don't understand yet that, you know, just because somebody's tough or physical doesn't mean they're bad at hockey. We're we're starting to see teams find players like that that are good at hockey and make your team better while also adding that element.
1: Yeah, but I think that, you know, then you go to the Islanders thing where, you know, uh, the Islanders also, like, the Lightning just weren't just one way, didn't play just one style of hockey the whole way. The Islanders... Did turn it up. They did. Were, were able to score some goals. They were able to play some high end pace and keep up with teams that high end pace in the periods and games that they had to, and that's why they got as far as they did.
0: Oh, I'm not um, saying that they
1: and didn't. Uh, you know they do they do show that you know just because there are people who don't put up points or don't put up huge possession numbers doesn't mean that they don't do other things and that there aren't other metrics or advanced stats that you know you don't see as much cuz they they need more trackers you know what i mean like uh like there's it's okay to have some guys who are just really good at penalty killing blocking shots if you have a system like the islanders and then those players eventually get so confidence and at times can contribute in other ways like you see with you know, some of those Islanders defenders. Uh, and, and that should be replica. That should be something that people should try to copy. I think we have to s- stop treating NHL GM as being cavemen dumb, even though they are at times, uh, they can copy parts of teams and they're not just going to copy all the teams. And let's be honest. I mean, if, if I could guarantee you the Panthers could copy the Islanders and have the Islanders' playoff success over a five-year window,
0: probably you'd probably say, take it. I probably it.
1: wouldn't say no because, you know, right. it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's
0: like it's like me explaining away why I'm going to be like, okay, I don't really like Jose Mourinho, but whatever. If they win a trophy, I can't yeah. really complain I, about and, that.
1: And then you take it a step up and you look at the Dallas Stars. I think that's the next step of – the Islanders philosophy when you add in some of those, some more Islander or uh, excuse me, when you add in some more lightning type players or forwards, you know, some more Ferraris and Lamborghinis into that style, you can, you can play a lot of different ways. You can really push pace. You can hang with teams in the central beat teams like Colorado and Vegas and and go far with your second string goalie, not the goalie, who's, you know, been in Vesna conversations.
0: It's so funny to me that the Dallas Stars are, are in it because obviously in the last couple of times they've been in the postseason, they've fallen flat on their face when they need to do, like game sevens have been terrible for yeah. them. But what's really amusing to me is with, with, the, with the Stars, not just that um, we, we see, it's a good story obviously for them and, you know, two Sunbelt teams making the Stanley Cup final is a victory lap for Gary Bettman. But what's so amazing is that team gave up seven goals to the Panthers and three of them to Nolichari Three days after he already scored a hat trick against the Senators, yeah. so congratulations to the Dallas Stars for making the Stanley Cup Final after one of the most embarrassing performances in hockey I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why Dallas.
0: One of them has to do with that, sweet, uh, that that Finnish defenseman who's kind of amazing.
1: Y- yes, but I mean, the Stars know made Hayes it far. Be- and
0: Victor had been playing a Stanley Cup Final is just, I mean, that's just that's just too much fun.
1: Yeah, we, we can talk about the D in a, in a second, but I, I just wanted to say that the Stars, um, you know, they're resilient. They've gone through a lot and they've stayed together. And, you know, it's not just the Jim Montgomery thing. It's not just, um, you know, their best players getting called out. It's not just those game sevens. I mean, there's a, it's all of that together. Um, it's the roller coasters that they've had in and out of the season. I mean, you don't, When a team, sometimes the Lightning were hurt by having such a great regular season that, come the playoffs, they didn't have a lot of overcome challenges that they could point back to in locker rooms between periods and and gain that confidence that they could turn things around in the playoffs. And you could that's why they were so quick to hang their heads and everything. Um, You know, the stars were up and down all year every year for the last couple of years with the same kind of nucleus. And they've got some new parts and everything, but they had the it factor. They, they had the resiliency, you know, they were fighting for different reasons, you know, uh, Ben and and Sagan are are fighting to finally prove themselves. Bonus is fine. Is, you know, he's trying to prove himself. Uh, he has, uh, you know, um, there's, there's, you know, their, their goalie's proving himself, fighting to prove himself, They just have a lot of the tangible intangibles. And then you look at, you know, uh, ineffective math and and our friend Mika, um, yeah, you know, he has the stars highly rated. So it's not just the intangibles. They have the tangibles.
0: I mean, as I said, Miro Heiskanen probably winning the consmite of this. I mean, it could probably, it also could be Kodobin. It should be, it should be Miro Heiskanen though.
1: I mean, yeah, you have, you have Heiskanen, you have Klingberg, uh, they have a lot of good D, and then they kind of have that Columbus factor. They have guys like Joe Henley, you know, who who the hell is that guy? But like Como, just
0: randos. Yeah,
1: and you I mean, know, so it's not I. I to this is sense. the first. This is the first Stanley Cup where I don't care who wins. I really don't care who wins. I just was rooting for seven games of overtime really it'll,
0: it'll be a lot of fun it is not like i am not rooting against anybody i for aesthetic reasons i rooted against the, the because, but the season the difference with the stars is the stars again remember that uh that series against calgary where they were down three nothing and ended up winning 6-3 it's like i don't think the islanders could pull that off but the stars clearly can you know they can play run and gun right. when they need to and they can also shut you down when they need to there is an element of like the islanders play one way and it when it works, it's great. And when it doesn't, you lose eight, two, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're it's just different. It's different with Dallas. It's different with teams that have a little bit more to it. Like there is, as you said, there is a next level to, you know, what Dallas does as compared to Columbus and the Islanders who are more one note, which is, which is fair enough. And I think that, you know, the lightning proved that you don't, you don't have to play run and gun all the time because they, they had to grind out a lot of crap to win in these posts and these games. And you need to be able to do that. But then you also watch Victor Hedman do Victor Hedman things, and you're just like, "Good lord, this team's a buzzsaw.
1: Hopefully, the Lightning get uh, Stamkos back. I mean, it doesn't look likely. I mean, I mean, uh,
0: points <laughs> playing on one leg for all intents and purposes.
1: But imagine, you know, the Lightning win the Cup, and you know, it's it's not only did they had they had to win the Cup in all this hoopla and, and this kind of year, but they did it without Stamkos, their number one overall draft pick, their captain. their you know, that would be. One, I'd feel awful for Stamkos because that's like get a, his
0: name on the cup, though. Well, I mean,
1: well, yeah, but you're Steven Stamkos. That's not how you wanted to do it. Obviously. You're number one over pick. You're the captain of a team. You're the first line center or wing or, you know, like that's not how you wanted to do it. And, you know, you have to feel if they do win a cup with without him and everything is would they try to move him? I would don't know. he want to be moved? Would he feel like an out? You know, like would he feel like, well, I got it to get win another cup again. It's less likely that the Lightning win two than it was that the Lightning win one. It's, that's it's, just kind of how the interesting, odds interesting, work. You know? That's an
0: interesting. It's an interesting uh, philosophy. But then also, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how the Metro Division's a buzz saw going forward. Just how because you know it's got number one picks in the division. You got really annoying teams like Carolina, Columbus. Uh, the Central Division's kind of stupid. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, really, I mean, really, really dumb I mean, <laughs> division that's got a bunch of good teams in it. Yeah. Hilarious. So I really enjoyed I uh, will quickly just go over because the last time we did a show uh, with you and I, uh, that was a couple weeks ago. It was right before game sevens of uh, the abs who got injured to death. And if they were healthy, probably would have won that series. And the flyers going out in game seven after winning two overtime games to, uh, to push the Islanders. Uh, just a couple, just a couple of things you wanted to mention that the Colorado, I, everybody's talking about the abs, like signing like Petrangelo and Taylor Hall on one year, on one year deals, please do it. I mean, just because we don't see hockey teams do that and go all in and try to win the cup before, you know, McKinnon and Kale McCartney giant raises, you know, while you have your chance, do it. I, I wholeheartedly endorse that. And, uh, again, for the neutral, like, nobody can hate the avalanche. It's, that's physically impossible. So, please do that. Um, but, as I said, I if they were healthy, they probably would have beaten the Stars. Because at some point, when you're down to Michael Hutchinson in goal – and you're down Landis Cog, you're down all these guys. Like, that's kind of not fair. And, again, the Avs made it that far, even considering all their injuries, which shows you how good they are and how good they're probably going to be. And, yes, wholeheartedly endorse them going all in and signing Taylor Hall and Alex Petrangelo and just giving a middle finger to the league. Please do that.
1: Down their starting and backup goalie and down 40% of their skaters. That's – and including, you know, their yeah, captain, Jonathan Landis Cog. out, and,
0: you know – I think yeah. Monskoy was hurt. Yeah, Go I mean, last.
1: basically, you take out Gogg, you take out Johnson, you take out a couple of the other players and everything. Then they're the Florida Panthers. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Very good.
1: <laughs> but play. They had Michael Hutchinson. You know, that's the kind of goaltending and defense. You know, the effects well, the that they fans had. Don't
0: have anybody like Kale McCarr, yeah. or Sam Gerard.
1: No, but I mean,
0: you're, you're they, right. They they yeah.
1: aren't. That, yeah, I mean, it didn't really matter with Michael Hutchinson. But, but, yeah. but
0: yes, but go, but as I said, like, I, I, I completely understand why we neutrals should love the Avs, and that is uh, something that, again, next year, go for it. It's going to be a shorter season, too. Go the hell for it and try to win the cup with that group because that, that would be fun.
1: I think that they're definitely – I think Taylor Hall is going yeah, to be Yeah, Taylor Hall
0: should say, 100% go to the Avalanche,
1: 100%. I, and i think that they might do petro he he has familiarity in that with that team um and so i think that that's also an option I, I would like that but you know they tried that last year with panarin and when it didn't work out their backup plans were fantastic it was yeah, nichuskin it was dunstroy it was getting kadri you know like they were they had other things going and i and i trust them to kind of do it the same way and that's why i'm really happy like following the avalanche is because there's that level of trust. And like, oh uh, if the thing that I want to happen doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world because the other stuff that they do usually works out really well too. and makes me forget about the stuff I wanted originally. And that's kind of, and that's kind of how, you, that's kind of what you want out of a team that you support and follow. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's the Flyers, nice. And the Flyers, uh, they did not show up in Game 7. That was lame. But in terms yeah. of just overall, I mean, it, what, what I think somebody pointed out, it stinks the way it ended because you have that opportunity and you didn't take advantage of it. And it stinks in that regard. But if you told Flyers fans before the season, you're going to go to Game 7, the conference semifinals, you know, Obviously, you can't tell them about a pandemic and a bubble, but like they're not going to tell you, no, that's a bad thing. You know, I still right. think the Flyers need a little bit more high-end offense. You know, watching that series, like they need a game breaker. They need somebody. Claude Giroux can be that, but he's not that necessarily anymore. They need somebody high-end on offense to really put that team over the top. I think. I don't know who that is. If this was Paul Holmgren's Flyers, they'd spend every single penny they have to try to get Taylor Hall.
1: But, well, I mean, if you it, yeah, I I think you're right about the Taylor Hall part and I still think that they're going to look into it um, cuz I don't think Fletcher is that stupid. Um but I think, you know, if you if you give them a healthy Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom, that's that. I mean, that's that offensive town. Oscar Lindblom when he got diagnosed with cancer was their leading goal scorer at the time, and when he came back 9 months later after all the cancer treatment, he didn't look half bad. He was no. he was playing he was when they were shortening the bench he was not one of the forwards they were shortening the bench with which no. speaks volumes so i mean if you think you know healthy lindblom healthy nolan patrick that's at least two top 9 forwards one being a top 6 winger who can score goals that that's maybe it and then you know you you go into some of the growth in some of their players and then you know they're going to have some more skilled uh depth guys coming next year uh Vorborev maybe will be back from Russia if not they have German Rush Rupsov who I think uh is is going to be doing well I think he maybe even went to like Finland or Switzerland or, or Russia um this year or no he yeah obviously went to Russia um he he went to he's in Russia right now playing first line in the KHL so I mean they they have some more talented guys coming that are going to get NHL games next year um. So I think forward it, that's going to happen organically for them. I think what they really need to do is start making decisions on their back end because they got a lot of D and they have a lot of D that people want. Um. And you. C-
0: What's the value of Shane Goss despair? Because that's the only one who they're going to move. You don't move. You don't move Provorov. You don't move Sanheim. You don't move Myers. Well, or you don't move Philip Myers. So like what?
1: No, but I think you can move uh, Igor Zamula, Zem- Zem- um, who's oh, who's no, about oh, ready. guys. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, but they they have a bunch of AHL guys who are like ready for NHL time, and if they don't start giving them NHL time or they don't start trading NHL defensemen in front of them. They're gonna start losing value. I mean, right now the Flyers have a good name and stuff for defensive prospects. In two years, if those defensive prospects are stuck in the AHL toiling and don't maybe don't play well or get start racking up injuries, who knows what they're gonna be worth? And that's where all your value is. You're talking about them. They need just that top end talent, either as prospects either, you know, in their lineup, they need that's what they need. That's the one thing they're missing. How do you get that? Well, moving defenders. I think they can. And go to Spares, one off the roster. I think they could maybe even move Robert Hag. Um you know, I think that they I think that they should be open to moving Myers. Um,
0: um hi, can you trade him to the Florida Panthers, please? I know he's right shot, yeah. but I don't care. Right, Trading no, but, Panthers, I
1: mean, like, and the issue with that, and the the Flyers are, have a luxury, it's not Myers did anything wrong. I know there's a lot of Flyers fans that he had a couple obvious gaffes in that Islanders series that they're not really happy with, but he it's because he's a playoff virgin, really, and yeah. he had his cherry popped, and that's how it goes, you know? Okay,
0: all right, <laughs> fine, but trade him to the Panthers if they're going to be traded. Uh, Gossespierre, on the other hand, uh, do not trade him to Florida— Please, Bill Zito, he's too like the Panthers defenseman they already have.
1: Yeah, um, speaking... but I mean, yeah, so it, it was a good year for the Flyers, like you said. It sucks the way it ended, but...
0: Uh... I, I think, that, like, right now, it's a weird window because you don't know what you're going to get out of Pittsburgh and Washington. Like, they're going to be there, but you don't know whether they're, like, top end. You know that Carolina, Columbus, and the Islanders are going to be really annoying the The Rangers still have to prove that they can find defensemen before you know they get to that next level, and the devils are bad, so like could the flyers be the best team in the division in the shortened season next year i I would suggest the answer to that might be yes, but you like it, it it's a really good division, but i as i said like they're like who's the best team like I don't really know the answer to that question
1: close right enough now. to be a toss up basically yeah, I could see that uh yeah.
0: anyway let's um. Move on, because there's other things we do need to talk about with um, hockey-related matter. Before we get to the draft, this is a primarily draft show at the back end with Tommy's new stuff that we're going to talk about now that the draft has been moved a little earlier in the month of October. A little bit less time to wait, so you got to get on that. Let's talk about some Florida things, Uh, mostly Bill Zito's uh, new front office that he has brought in. Uh, We'll go over some of them now. Uh, Paul Fenton and Rick Dudley, if you can't come home again.
1: Paul uh, Fenton's. Fenton.
0: Uh, well, yes, but they are both senior advisors to the GM, which is the same role that Roberto Luongo has, and obviously Roberto Luongo is not going anywhere. So they are not they are they are people that Paul Fent- that Paul Fenton will be somebody that Bill Zito calls for advice is basically what's going to happen here. Um, and and the one thing I want to they're say they're not Paul Fenton-
1: directly on the organizational flow chart, kinda. You know what I mean? Like they're more branches off of Zito's team on the org chart, but they're not like. They don't roll up into the organization's They're, not, they're not
0: like what Gregory Campbell has become, who I didn't even realize worked for the Blue Jackets, or Blake Jeffrion, on, who I also didn't realize worked for the Blue Jackets. They're more involved in Correct. the day-to-day as opposed to Fenton and Dudley. And, and, of I'm course,
1: Blake Griffion has connections to Fenton in Nashville because I think after Griffion retired in Nashville, his playing days, he started in Nashville with uh, pro scouting. And yeah, then,
0: so they, they all have connections to one another, which is how hockey works. If you didn't know how that works, I'm sorry. Well, at least
1: the initial wave of hiring, definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing that I'll mention about Paul Fenton, and because I, obviously he was not a great general manager in Minnesota and some of that's the moves he made. I mean, Victor Nita Rider was terrible. We can, we can say that. I mean, he also traded for Kevin Fial and that was a good idea. Um, but, Very th- good the, one. but the point I'm going to make here about Paul Fenton, Paul Fenton is Paul Fenton is basically being asked to help scout, you know, like what the Panthers want to do and what Bill Zito wants to do is build up an organization and scout. So he basically said, okay, Paul Fenton can do that decently. Well, Rick Dudley can do that decently. Well, so let's, let me have them on as advisors, and they can help me. And also, you know, both of them are former GMs in the league for what it's worth, and Rick Dudley was a former GM of the Panthers, and he got forced out in odd circumstances because the Panthers of the 2000s were even stupider than these Panthers in many ways. So, again, I don't, I don't worry too much about that because as long as Paul Fenton is not talking about lizards and he's just looking at them on the street in Fort Lauderdale, then it's okay um, because, you know, he's not actually making decisions. And when he was a scout in Nashville – or I think it was AGM in Nashville, I should say, he did pretty well. I mean, Nashville was a good organization in terms of drafting and developing and getting players in. So Paul Fenton Especially defensively. And Paul Fenton can do that. So as long as that's what his role is, that's fine. Um, And so, like, Bill Zito's guys are going to be Bill Zito's guys, and he has every right to bring them in. Obviously, I was reading 31 Thoughts, uh, which you should read, and some of the people who are in the organization didn't like the way it went down. But also, you work for the Florida Panthers. You should assume dysfunction by now. And something that was implied in that piece, which is something I wrote about before, uh, there seems to be factionalism in the front office. Perhaps you know because of the way the scouting staff evolved. No surprise, because that scouting staff was a combination of people who were there for you know guys who've been the Panthers forever, guys who came in in 2016. It's a mess. So if Bill Zito is like, I gotta you know slim it down a bit. I mean, I'm not going to tell him, no, I'm not the general manager. And I also don't know anything about any of these guys until they make moves. So I can't really judge. And I think that's what everybody who follows this team has to uh, say is until they make moves, judge them when they do stuff. Until they do stuff, everything's hypothetical and there's not really much to say about that.
1: Here, here's my f- opinion. Fenton, I understand why he's being brought in. Uh, the Panthers are in pretty desperate situation. Um, there's a lot of reasons why they're not a attractive uh, place for hiring, uh, front office types, um, the way they handle their front office hirings and firings. You just alluded to that um, and how they treat their employees. Um, the, uh, some of their staff uh, and the abuse and assault uh, and those accusations that have come out, uh, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why it's hard to pool certain people. So if you want somebody that's good at drafting, developing, transitioning the angel defenseman consistently in a, within a franchise, Fenton of the available people is one of the best at it. And if everything gets filtered through Zito or through a proper channel, and like you said, he's not just walking around the hockey ops talking about lizard people. We're okay. We're okay. And I um, think that's kind of what
0: and, and it is Bill's his son, his, 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 Yeah, his son
1: is, is out. Yeah, and his son is the cost of doing business. And when you're Florida in the position Florida always finds themselves in, which they currently find themselves in again, that's the cost of doing business. It's called the free agency tax that like, they usually pay. You know, that's. It can change, and it should change, and I hope it does change, but I I think they have to make smart compromises at points to get better on the ice first, and this is the way they can do it. Dudley, whatever – uh, Griffin, whatever Campbell. I don't think it hurts to have Colin Campbell's kid in your, in your front office. Yeah, when... they've,
0: they've, they've combined, they've, they have two thirds of the Merlot line because, you know, there's right. also idolized the Bruins for some reason.
1: Uh, right. But, but all... you know, you think about it, you, 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 Colin Campbell has broken rules and protocol for his ki- for that kid already, and that kid's franchise already. Ah, yes, conspiracy
0: uh, theories. Love to say
1: it. Hey, when we're in the draft lottery again, that might help. When somebody, when Huberto's up for suspension, that might help. You know, you know, you never know. When ah. when 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 we get to send Greg Campbell as our representative to the league offices, you never know how that's going to be. That, ah, conspiracy. Theory. You know, so I do want to talk first about I'm fine. Um,
0: about. P.J. Fenton, because everybody's talking about nepotism in hockey, and huh. you didn't think there was nepotism in hockey. What a shock. I mean, again, please, people, get your head out of the sand. Uh, let's talk about P.J. Fenton, because he helped run Minnesota's drafts, and he was going to this year until they hired Judd Brackett, who's the guy who was uh, part of the good drafts in Vancouver. So, so Makes I would... me feel
1: more likely that they might jump up for Anton Lindell, or be going for that type of. So player. let's talk.
0: So I want to ask you what you think about Minnesota's two drafts because those are the drafts that PJ Fenton helped run, uh, and what you think about those. Um, that that's important because I don't know what kind of role he's going to play in this draft. We really don't know. Like Mike Russo says, he's going to run the draft. I have no idea because the Panthers already have scouts that are there and are probably going to talk to Bill Zito. So we really don't know. But look at those two drafts. Nobody's really stood out yet, uh, in terms of impact that the, uh, that the NHL level, well, but tell me what you think about those two drafts. What? 18
1: and 19, and and, 18 and 19.
0: Those are the ones that PJ Fenton was there for.
1: Um, well, I mean, I, I wish you would have said, you know, 2017 or, well, yeah. I mean, cause cause 2018, there's the often talked about Philip Johansson, a Swedish defender at 24, um, it, which you know i don't think it's as big of a reach as people are saying outside the 20 top 20 if you're taking a guy that's supposed to be in the late 30s that's a swedish defenseman i'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt so i'm going to write that off and it's not like it's five years later and he hasn't done anything he's been okay enough in his time since the draft so let's see how that works out but you know jack mcbain uh I like that they took uh, Alex Kovanov from Moncton in the third round. Um, He was somebody that had first-round talent that fell, and they stepped up to take him. Um, They took another defenseman, Johansson, in the fifth round that has done, I think, better and is probably right now thought of a little higher, or at least has risen his stock since the draft. Um, So so that's good. Um, But nothing really sticks out as oh that's great uh matthew boldy that's a nice pick um you like that pick but i don't think there's a lot of GMs that don't make that pick at 12 last year in 2019 um and you know i would say adam beckman in the third round in 2019 and marshall warren in the sixth round is nice Uh, i like that but it's not i don't get overly excited about this this kind of looks standard fair for, you know, new age hockey guys in the, in the NHL. Well, I mean, uh, but again, I'm, it's, I'm... it's two drafts and you know, we don't, we don't know. Um, but he did take a guy in the sixth round from Lawrenceville high school in New Jersey. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a Russian. So he was there for passport reasons, but.
0: Uh, uh, we always come to New Jersey for reasons like that, but he'll be, there. we, and I don't really know what this draft's going to look like for Florida. There's no real way to know. So until we see it yeah. happen and I'm,
1: we... I'm I'm super excited cuz I to me that'll tell me a lot. I mean, it's one draft so it's not going to tell me the whole thing, but I'm going to start to that's like the first foundational piece of what Zito and this hockey ops team is going for in the first year. Um by how they set up the draft.
0: Let's go over a couple of other moves before we get to this draft specifically and talking about players. Uh, there's a couple of other moves um, in terms of coaching and, and trades that we should talk about. So, speaking of the wild, um, Nick Bugstad's going to be a center for Minnesota because, you know, as I joked, um, it's the circle of life because he was always going to end up back in Minnesota at some point. That's how this works. Uh, I feel bad because he's been so injured, but. Um, Again, it comes to the Mike Matheson school of you give a contract to a guy that's having a good three months. That's probably a year too long, or in the case of Matheson, like two or three years too long. And you don't really consider what's going to happen, the back end of the deal. And that happened with Bugstad. So then he got traded in that, you know, the McCann trade, which actually worked out decently for Florida because they got rid of the caps, uh, you know, the problems on the cap, even though they added more to it. And they added the draft picks. uh, And now that apparently there's rumors that the Penguins might be interested in trading Jared McCann, I mean, I'd say that at least that trade as a pure cap dump actually didn't work out all that badly. But uh, in the in the case of Bugstad, I hope he plays, and I hope he plays well. There's nothing wrong with him as a person. He just had some really terrible luck, and I hope he succeeds. And, and he'll get a chance to in Minnesota because they have no centers now.
1: Yeah, if you think about the injuries that really started the downfall and and, you know, this basically point where he's traded for future considerations— um, you know it's that injury in the playoffs when he was leading the team in points, you know playing at a really high rate against the Islanders all those years back, and Huto fought um I forget who it was the because, you know he went head first into the boards, there was a hit from behind, and at that height, when you kinda are already gonna have back issues and you get hit like that and you already had concussion passed, you're gonna have concussions, neck problems, back problems, rest of your career. That's just the unfortunate truth, it seems. Uh, I hope he can, you know, get a couple good seasons in. At least he's back home in Minnesota. He has that. Um, And I think, you know, no one roots against him, like you said. Uh, And if he can become a steady bottom six guy who can play 60, 70 games in the NHL, um, I think. I think every I think you know that that'd be amazing I'm rooting because for, I'm rooting for him he deserves it he definitely deserves to have a you know regular NHL career with the wild for a couple years um, uh
0: yeah 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 of course I I agree with that 100% percent um, because they also traded Eric Stahl for reasons
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Why well, I, um, I
0: don't really know. Um, now, in the case of the Sabres, it,
1: it's funny to read that he basically galaxy brained himself into, into trading, trading for Buffalo because he, he is didn't hilarious. because he didn't think that Buffalo would trade for an aging, you know, center like him that can't really put up points or penalty kill or do anything. You know, that's and like a- all of
0: the and for all of the talk about Kevin Adams as the Pagula's general manager, he played with Eric Stahl, for Christ's sake. Oh, God, so so yeah. you're complaining about Paul and PJ Fenton? How about that crap? Also, uh, if if the Sabers are bad and they are going to be bad, I think we it's have a good out. move
1: for the Sabers. Oh, it's a
0: very good move for the Sabers because he plays decently well. He probably makes Jeff Skinner and Jack Eichel happy. And when the Sabers stink, you get a second-round pick from him at the trade deadline.
1: Boom, boom, boom.
0: And Marcus Johansson probably shouldn't be a center. So I, I, I don't I think don't he know.
1: will. I think I think they're I think said and Johansson are the backup centers in case they can't get centers or in case centers get hurt. They're guys yeah, that can
0: not walk. So it's going to be a very different center death chart in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I agree. I think they have to they do need to change through their centers. And, you know, going back into this Minnesota wild draft history, uh, I can tell you one thing. If P.J. Fenton is running our drafts and ran these two wild drafts, we will be drafted centers. Well, he drafts. Good. He drafted one, two, three, four in one year. One, two, three, and I think Boldy could eventually even play center if his boots aren't too slow. Uh, so you know, there's a there's a lot of center focus.
0: And the Panthers don't draft centers, so that's yeah. very
1: important. Including including. Uh, a Russian center who plays for the London Knights, who are great in development, and I always say draft London Knights in the fifth round, you know, in those later rounds. Mattev not Hire
0: Mark Hunter as your general manager. Um, no,
1: no, just use his London Knights. Just,
0: just, use, just use the London Knights. Don't hire him. I want to talk quickly about some other Panthers GM things in a second. Uh, when we get to other moves, because uh, there are some interesting ones. The Canadians decided to pony up for Joel Edmondson who um, I was thinking, oh, he's a left shot D, and the Panthers need that. And then I looked at some of his numbers for Micah and Evolving Wild, and I'm like, okay, good thing they steered clear of that. Because uh, if Carolina's going to give up on a defenseman after a year, you probably shouldn't go for that defenseman. Just a guess. It's like they might be interested in getting rid of Brady Shea. Yeah, don't trade for Brady Shea if Carolina's given up on a defenseman after a year. I think that's, a, that's probably a lesson we should all learn.
1: Well, I, I don't think that's I, – I mean, I think with Edmondson, yes. I think with Shea, no, because I think they're holding out for a high package for Shea. They still value him. With Edmondson, they, they were looking to get rid of his rights. They just didn't even value him that much. Um, so I think, you know, Edmondson, I, you know, I don't think he's a bad defender. I think he's, you know, a – volatile bottom pair defender.
0: Which the Panthers do not need.
1: Nope, nope. But he, you know, part of that volatility is some good play in both ends of the ice, I think. He can play good breaking up transition and starting transition. He can play good scoring goals and in the neutral zone. You know, it's just he plays bad in those areas too.
0: Yeah, so uh, they, uh, they also traded for Jake Allen because, I guess...
1: I mean, at least we didn't hire Scott Mellenby because if we're talking about, like, looking back at, like, P.J. Fenton's draft history at Fenton and, Na- at, you know, at Fenton like Sr. B- in Nashville.
0: Like, they're like B-level drafts.
1: Yeah, we're, we're we're looking at Montreal, who, you know, has made some questionable moves every year. You know, you're like, where are they going with this? They seem to have a consistent plan, and it seems to be haphazard and kind of come together because— they they
0: get like nick suzuki like and that's good obviously you know drafting the guys that they drafted and taking the gamble that they did um when but you
1: know when you You when you find out that scott mellenby is the one that's handling a lot of these trade negotiations and you're seeing who they're getting every trade deadline and who and you know just the cycling and all the asset loss that you get which is constantly churning these trades and making all of these moves and finesse moves to so get look similar. At their drafts in recent year, when
0: you look at their drafts in recent years, you go, okay, who are their best draft picks? They took Cockney. I Emmy. Mean, that was a good, that was a good move. I think we can all agree that that was a bold move that paid off.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to sit here and look at Montreal's draft. Well, I
0: mean, I'm just saying, but it's, it's just yeah. at that point. Um, also, we want to mention a couple Cockney. of other things uh, Panthers related before we move on to the draft itself. Uh, Mike Kitchen let go. You heard the story that um, apparently kicked a player after he got squirted with water on the bench. This was during that Minnesota game, which everything conveys now because this is how it works. Uh, Mike Kitchen should not be a coach after you do that. I think there is absolutely no reason to do that. Um, Somebody mentioned, like, when did Dale Talon and um, Joel Quenville know about this? Listen, I'm gonna make the point that Dale Talon and Joel Quanville both really like Mike Kitchen. Kitchen's been in Florida multiple times, so I don't think they're going to necessarily judge, you know, the situation on its merits in the way that it probably should have been when Bill Zito comes in and hears about the story and I'm like, Okay, nope, can't have that Which is probably what I think happened with Bill Zito heard the story and was like, No man, I can't we can't have that. So that's why Kitchen was let go, I think. That's my guess. Yeah.
1: I mean I I I don't want to say I don't want to downplay it and then downplay it, but I mean, this is a sport where people punch each other in the face because they feel slighted and, and they kind of get rewarded or if not rewarded, they don't get punished for react overreacting physically to something they take emotionally or losing their emotions to the point of reacting physically. Uh, So I'm, this doesn't really surprise me. And I think we should also just, if uh, as someone who's been on a bench, obviously a coach laying hands on a player is a breach of trust that, you or know, taking a
0: player in the back is also right. But you
1: know. yeah, but I mean, I I would really need to know the situation and everything, but I mean, I, this guy, this, this is a guy who, is sitting there in pads and i'd have to know how much how forceful the kick was where the kick was you know if it was multiple kicks i mean because let's be honest these are guys that they're coaches you know and they they hit each other to pump themselves up so and they hit each other a lot harder than you know or they, they you know like so I'm not saying that this isn't a problem, this isn't fireable, this isn't, you know, but I, I need to know a lot more See, and everything. So a Carter film, basically, is what you're telling Yeah, you. and, like, to be honest, if Mike, if it was, you know, Mike Matheson, Keith Daniel, and Aaron Eckblatt, and they were squirting water at the guy's face or something and calling him a bitch or something like that, and they turn, and then they stopped squirting water and his face turned around and he gave him a little kick in the back, I mean, do, do am I going to persecute this guy and say he should never work in hockey again? No. I'm I don't say, think that's
0: how the story. I think the story went is that there was frustration. I'm going to read it to you from Frank Saravelli, who's obviously came from Philadelphia and is doing great reporting for TSN. So shout out to Frank.
1: Holy, Holy Ghost Prep. Ah, uh, uh,
0: yeah, I, yeah that's or, right?
1: ger- or German, yeah, Holy Ghost, not Germantown, Holy Ghost.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of Philly schools that I forget about. Um,
1: or at least that's where his cousins played.
0: Um. Yeah, but uh, obviously. Uh, you know, I might not like Philly sports teams, but I do support people from the Delaware Valley, of course, because Delaware <laughs> Valley is great. So let me uh, talk about this, Panthers. According to uh, sources, the alleged incident occurred in the third period of Florida's win in Minnesota, January 20th. The Panthers player threw a water bottle on the bench in frustration, dousing Kitchen, who allegedly kicked the player in response. One source described Kitchen's uh, kick as full-on. He reared back and booted him in the lower back in anger as a result of being sold. This certainly wasn't a friendly tap and encouragement, the source said. There's no place for anything like that in the game. Uh, sources say now former GM Dale Talon and Joel Quenville were notified of the alleged incident immediately following the game. Talon was not present, no disciplinary action was taken. So it it doesn't seem like this was, you know, it seemed like it was an accident and then the player got kicked. And a play and a second player corroborated it according to Elliot Freeman. Right. So I again yeah. I think this is one of those this is definitely a fireable offense and one of those things that Bill Zito heard about and like, okay, I gotta take care of
1: this before anything
0: else happened. So I have, I have no issue I'm, with them firing him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just don't like guys throwing water bottles in frustration. And I mean, I think that's.
0: Th- there's a lot more that needs to be. But I think that. In and we don't the, know,
1: yeah. There's I mean, a lot
0: more we don't know. It's the same thing with the Dale Talon saying perhaps racist things, and we don't know. Right, and, right. And, and I, I mean, I, I, but, but what it shows me is that this organization is a giant flaming dumpster right. fire. And they and can't. Has a, has a cleanup
1: job to do. And that kitchen, Kitchens feels he needs to resort to that, or there's not enough trust and comfortability between the groups to figure out their conflicts and issues elsewise is the issue, and why that they didn't do well on the ice, why they didn't do well against the Islanders, etc., because you know, that culture that Q was supposed to be bringing in, they were supposed to be turning over and starting. It didn't get started, or at least it started off very poorly. Uh, And there's multiple incidents now um, that kind of show that. So, I mean, again, I'm sorry if I downplayed it and everything.
0: Uh, I've never been, I've never been, I've
1: never been, well, I mean, even if I do, again, I don't really, I hear the story and I don't, feel bad about anything I said. I wouldn't take back anything and I'd say it again. Like I just, I, you know, I think this is different than getting, getting someone getting thrown up against the wall. I think this is different than getting punched. I think this is, you know, I, I do think it's a little different. I'm not saying it's not fireable and not, you know, an issue, but.
0: As I said, it's, it's, it's a lot. And, And part of me hopes right now, what Bill Zito does is just, tries to clean house as much as he can, you know, as just, much as he can, yeah, as much as he can just to reset. Cause what he's trying to do is, is culture reset here as much as anything else. Uh, so that that's going on. The other thing with the Panthers I want to mention is some of their GMs that they uh, that they were interviewing were really, really interesting. They interviewed Garth Snow, which is, again, you want to talk about I, they yeah. didn't really know, like, oh, we're just going to interview everybody we can. And they also wanted to interview Angelo Ruggiero. Now, I don't want to say – I don't want to accuse the Panthers of doing anything. Um, we're interviewing this for diversity's sake, you know, because they interviewed Kevin Weeks as well. But, I mean, they, they went all out with, like, trying to find absolutely everybody to talk to i mean i, I don't mind bringing in new opinions because Angela Rosero, i mean listen there would have been sexist crap that would have been really annoying to have to deal with but again i don't mind bringing in different perspectives and listening and hearing people out you know that would have been a very interesting thing to see maybe the panthers wouldn't have been the organization to try it with but somebody well, else should uh, definitely consider it
1: my my issue is i don't know if she has the background for this role like not
0: yet at least
1: yeah like and i like there's there's um i th- shilling I, I, I believe is I, i'm i can i don't want to say uh, the wrong um, first name, uh, I might be saying the wrong last name as it is, but there's a, a female GM of a t- professional team in Switzerland. Oh, that's,
0: yes, yes, correct. That's
1: somebody to interview if you're serious about, you know, or somebody that's in a hockey ops role that's in, in – that's in or in scouting or something for a Alexander pro team. Alexander
0: Mandricke, for instance?
1: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not going to, you know – interview her and you're probably not going to get permission to interview her from Seattle, but I'm just, you know, somebody, yes, somebody like her or something like that, that I think would have been more, I mean, listen, she has a great resume. She's a Patty Cosmeyer award winner, um, which is basically the, the Hobie Baker for, for female, um, I mean, she's,
0: she, she's yeah. done everything you could do in hockey, and I would like so, to see her in, involved in this. In this, and, and, I found it interesting. She's going
1: to interview her. She's of the right age where she would start getting these looks. So I, I'm not against it, but like the same thing with Kevin Weeks is, I don't think he had the right resume for this job. That that and, that's a good point. It, it didn't make and, sure and, for the Florida Panthers. I, I like like I like that they interviewed her it just i wanted just, they didn't interview her they wanted they, to Right, they wanted but to. they wanted to i like that and everything but to me it's just like oh, uh, it wasn't really going to be they probably maybe would have got meaningful things from it and it would have been meaningful in other areas but it wouldn't have been a serious candidate an in interview and that's what i would have wanted so mm-hmm. that's just my point
0: couple yes okay and it's a couple of other things just from 31 thoughts we'll get to the draft uh from what bill zito said uh just a couple quotes uh he says you got to Assess what's going on without being knee-jerking and think I have all the answers, Um, you know. So that's a he he had good comments about Sergei Bobrovsky. Cut the guy a little slack. It's a new environment, different structure, and by different structure he means no structure in front of him defensively. Um,
1: And and then he and then he backs it up by saying, "I'm I'm willing to I want to I'm if I'm gonna bet on him versus anyone else because of the work ethic because of his." past resume because i know he understands he wasn't good enough and he's and i've talked to him and i know what he's doing is addressing those things that need to be worked on that's that's confidence it's he's not saying oh i know he's 100 percent going to bounce back he's saying i'm betting on him because of these good things yes
0: we have to attack the roster who can grow what we have to address we have to build towards a consistent concerted effort he cited the islanders he cited the blue jackets can we follow that pattern then we're off in the right direction and i agree with that because those two teams are consistent. Um, he also, this value sheet, uh, years ago we sat with the leadership group and we said, what do we stand for? What are we all about? Blue Jackets values. It was something the players were proud of, Kevin, to Nick Felino and the leadership group because it did become what we were about. I look forward to doing it here. What is it we're about? What do we want to be? What's important to us? Because I don't think the Panthers have that at this moment. You might find that to be mumbo-jumbo, and that's fine if you do. But whatever it is, the Panthers don't really have that. So I'll take it because I just want something that – you know, be consistency. I don't want to share too much of that. It's not my place, but I also don't want anyone to hear something and say it. I want it to be organic and real. So he's like, he's saying, I have to start this. Essentially. I I'm coming in here with a blank slate and we're going to try shit basically. And that works for me because I'm, I'm in the business of right now of watching, trying stuff. Friedman has also said, he's going to be asked about Barkov, No chance. Eckblad and Huberto. He's going to explore moving one of the pig tickets on the blue line. No doubt. I'm going to listen to anything, but I'm going to say no to most things. Perfectly fair. He's he's not moved again. It's one of Matheson, or Yandel that's going to get moved, and he might have to take a bath on it. But one of those is going to get moved. Who knows which one? We talked about that before. Um, and and when it comes to Zito talking about you know the Talon stuff, kitchen, I can only control what I have control over. Every day, I will do what I have to, to what I can to move the organization forward. Again, Elliot Friedman. Um, we I also want to mention because you mentioned it to me. The Panthers being linked with Mark Borowiecki. Now, I listened to 31 Thoughts from Fridge, and how I interpreted this link was, well, the Panthers need guys who can help, you know, establish the culture and things like that.
1: Nope, they don't. They don't need them. They have them.
0: No, they do. And also, I think it's some dude in the league saying, hey, if that's what Florida needs, look at Mark Borowiecki. The only good thing about him is he'd be cheap. Uh, Otherwise, he's bad. Do not sign him. So let's move on to the draft because we have waited a little long to do the draft, but let's do it. And let's talk about all of these things that you want to get to because you have changed your draft rankings. So there's a lot of interesting things you were hinting at with me about what you're thinking and where you think this draft is going to head now that we know the order. Uh, So what is it that is the biggest change you've made and the biggest thing that you want people to know about this draft now that you've looked at it a little bit more?
1: uh really the biggest change is that 10 to 25 range um i think i've gone away from some of the more consensus pick in those teens and, and 20 ranges and and gone more for high iq high talent uh players that maybe don't have the historic type of chl production as like a seth jarvis or um connor zery Or something like that, but um, I think in five years have a better shot or have a higher ceiling. Um, So that that's it, and then also that's in that same range is where I see the defenseman going, in in my opinion. Because so, and my change is I I just keep bouncing around on the top five D could really go in any order. It's really just about. What do you think fit into your team style, your prospect pool, etc.? Because I don't. If we're doing. If we're. We're going to talk about the prospects in relation to tiers and, and mainly like the first four tiers of prospects because that's the top 40. Um, even though it's not one tier equals 10 prospects. But um, the defenseman, I don't think we have a top tier defenseman. I don't think we even. You know, defensemen start in my tier three in that, you know, teens range. Um, the top 10, I, I, I just don't think that they're good enough. And if you look at defensemen that were taking in the top 10 in other years and in, you know, the early first round in last year and you look ahead to 2021 where the top five might be all defensemen.
0: Yeah, I did see that. I you know, started reading up from Scott Wheeler on 2021. I'm like, oh, I, I, is there anybody else other than a D here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like a Ku Ratty, the center from Finland, and that's it. And, you know, uh-huh. like, so if you com- – comparatively, I don't know how you can look at some of these D and be like, all right, there's definitely – like, there could be a number one. There could be top-pairing D. These D could live up to some of those Moritz Siders and, you know, pro Vorensky type ceilings. That's possible but it at this moment it doesn't seem likely especially when you compare it to other draft days and other draft classes in recent memory you know with like Ty Smith Noah Dobson those guys were getting drafted 17 15 overall and those defensemen i would put above any defenseman in this draft class so and what? at the to- and that's and that's judging not what they've done since but at the time of their draft mm mm-hmm. mhm so,
0: where do you see because we know who's going number one? We have a good idea who's going well, i and i think
1: I think we could make the i think that it's fair to make the argument for Quinton Byfield at number two. We've kind of talked about it, and so we won't talk about it more. but you know a six four center two hundred fifteen pounds, and his birthday is in August, so he's w- about as young as you can be when you know the number one guy's maybe ten eleven months older than him you can make the argument that over the course of his career, he might be more valuable to certain franchises, especially a team like the Rangers that have a lot of high-end wingers. That's But, you know, Lafreniere is the consensus number one and should go number one based on the draft year, the tools, everything at this moment.
0: So, I mean, then we, we, we kind of know what that's going to go like. Um, and, then it, and then it gets a little bit wild as you go further down the list.
1: Yeah, because at, at three... At three that would would I
0: I've seen some people makes say it interesting. Ones gonna go second. But I mean honestly that they're gonna go two three or three two, I think.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean and I think the only thing you could say is, oh, Ottawa maybe will pick somebody different at 3 because they think they can get that player or you know somebody else at 5. Because having 3-5 kind of changes the way you look at things. Mm-hmm. Um, they might say, like, we need a defenseman, so we're taking Drysdale or Sanderson at 3 to make sure we get the one we want because we're okay with Stutzler or Byfield or Raymond or Rossi. We're fine with either of those guys, so we'll just get the defenseman we want and whoever's left at 5. That, yeah. that can change things. Detroit at four, I think, is when it really gets interesting. A lot of drafts start at four. I mean, that just kind of makes sense when you look at the top three, how much emphasis is on top three. And, um, you know, it's kind of all game planned out beforehand uh, almost. But uh, to me, I think those top four picks, that's that top tier. And there's a, I think, a noticeable drop from them to everybody else in the draft. It's pretty I think if you're getting Lafriere Byfield Raymond Stutz I ranked them in that order. Um, if you're getting any one of those guys you're getting a player that's likely going to be a top line player and possibly going to be the best player on your team for seven years however you can however long you control you know their rights. That's That's a huge deal that's very valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. So we get, then it gets, it's going to be a weird draft. I don't think there's, as you said, I don't think it looks like there's a ton of consensus in ways like this. So, so when we get to Florida, because we really don't know what this front office sees and what they like, We know what we think they need, but I don't know what Bill Zito thinks they need. So, because d- everybody under the Talon framework was like, they're going to take one of these WHL defensemen. Now I don't really know what they're going to do, and I, I based on the um, the way that Columbus drafted, like they may go off the board a little bit. You know, that's something that they can do, and they have a philosophy with what PJ Fenton did. I don't necessarily know, but I, it, it, as I said, it's hard to figure out what the answer to that is. I mean, you're 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 on Anton Lindell, I think, at this point is what you're. Yeah,
1: me. I mean. Yeah, because if you go into that second tier, which I have picks five through five through eight, uh, which is Holtz, Lundell, Rossi, Perfetti. They're the guys that usually go in everybody's top ten, but sometimes one one of them, like a Holtz or a Lundell, will fall to like, you know, eleven or twelve or something. Um or Perfetti maybe. Uh you know Lundell, Rossi, Perfetti all project they could all be NHL centers. So if any one of those would fall, that that would be a situation where I think Zito would have, I would want Zito to step up and take that pick. Um, outside of those guys, um, I have a list of centers um, and defensemen. I'm okay with you stepping up. But I think what I'm finding out about this draft is it's, it's winger heavy it's the same type of wingers we see in, a, in heavy in every draft the high skill high production in juniors or high production in college or you know um, you know Europe uh, in you know the European juniors or the second league in Europe or something and that's great in everything but draft value and whether a draft is good or not is really on the back of centers and defensemen. And there's just not that many centers in this draft. It's mainly wingers. And there's, like I said, that top end of defensemen. So usually you start to see, well, it's pretty open season. Anything can happen after the first 20 or so picks. And, you know, you you might as well just pick your guys and just stick with it and not worry about what everybody else is doing. That kind of happens after like 10 or right where the – Panthers pick twelve, so my advice would be to trade back because it's going to be open season. That guy you want to step up and get at twelve, whether it's Maverick Bork or defender like Emil Andre or Helga Grans, two Swedes that I really like, um, or stepping up to take Vasily Panamarev, a center uh, who has a ton of skill and everything, but just didn't have a great draft year. So he's kind of thought of his second rounder, but he's probably one of the most skilled centers in the draft right up there with Lundell and Rossi. Um, So do you take that or do you, is it better for Zito to take that at 12 or trade back to get to like Montreal or Calgary at 16 or 19 Draft, maybe draft that same center defenseman because other teams will pick their center, or their defenseman that they like, or their or draft a winger, or maybe that's when the goalie goes. Or you Asker know, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be very well, open. I got to ask
0: you about Askarov because you know I I saw Craig Button whatever you think of him say he's the best goalie prospect I've seen since Carey Price. Now I've, I wasn't following hockey. I would at that say point. better.
1: I would say I can't imagine Carey Price being this good. It's okay. hard to imagine. Price. So,
0: I mean, like Spencer Knight went 13 last year for whatever it's worth. um, You would think that Askaroff as a better goalie prospect should probably go higher. Just based on, like, just not like how a draft pans out, but that he is just flat better based, than Spencer Knight.
1: Based on the lack of centers and defensemen, I have Askaroff 10th overall. And I think anywhere from 8 to 12, 13 is where he'll go. Based on what team wants to step up and need them,
0: like I'm trying to. I think if there's any team that's going to take them, Buffalo could do it because they Wild. need goalies. Wild could do I it. Think, I, I think. think Buffalo, Whit, I think Whit- Buffalo. I think Buffalo might be
1: happy with their goalies because they have, I think, what's it, Uka, Lukanin. But now yeah. that it's a
0: new GM, I don't know. I really don't know. So I think Buffalo could do it. And also, again, we don't know what the hell they're going to do. Minnesota. I mean, I think it'd say, be
1: Minnesota. I think, I think that's it who. could be
0: I think it could be the wild because the Jets don't need one. Nashville doesn't need one. Florida clearly doesn't need one. I mean Carolina it, could be another team that could do it i could i yeah, could see i mean doing it i
1: could I can see him going really anywhere in the top forty, you know like. There just might be all the teams new might just dis- new jersey maybe new jersey does you know it too, all the but- teams might just see you know they see, maybe they all these teams see like frank Corr in uh colorado play well see frank Kem- knows, yeah, yeah it's jeffrey playing
0: goalie for the avalanche that's a new one <laughs> uh,
1: yeah yeah um on, frenchy Darcy Kempner, you know, in Arizona I mean, and all the this stuff that, is, like, hey, don't I don't need to draft this goalie. I'd rather draft this guy. I'd rather draft this defender. I'd rather draft this winger. Have I'd you rather ever draft
0: seen an, an offseason? I was almost saying summer. It's not summer anymore. Have you ever seen an offseason where the goalie situation is so ridiculously wild?
1: Like, the no. goalie situation is and, totally nuts. And we foresaw that, which was one of the arguments of not locking into Bobrovsky, but yeah. you know, you know the counter argument then is that's why you do lock into Bobrovsky because out of all the chaos, he's one of the more consistent goalies. He's one of the better ones to bet on, and it's better to just pick your horse the year before the chaos instead of getting caught in all the yeah, chaos.
0: Now Florida doesn't have to spend any money on their goal. Yeah, team, and right? you never They'll know what if year.
1: what if all of a, what if because of the chaos, you know, all of a sudden goalies just go you know, for top, you never know how it's going to go. So there is argument for just stepping in, taking your guy and getting, and getting away. And Uh, I'm not
0: going to bet on, I'm not going to white off a Brassie based on one year playing for a team that has no defense for.
1: Yeah. And he's not draft eligible this year. The bigger, the, um, so yeah, I mean, I, but if we're going back to the Panthers trading back, the average value of trading back is like an extra late second, early third round pick. Right. So if Florida were to get, you know, a, another, were to trade back a couple spots, you know, still draft in the top 25, you still have a chance at, at all these centers in D I really like. At, at a lot of centers in D I see other Florida Panthers fans mention, you know, Dawson Mercer, Ozzy Weisblatt, Dylan Holloway, Brendan Broussin, um, you know, defenders like William Wallander, Helga Grant, you know, like uh, – Ryan O'Rourke, Hendricks LaPierre. I mean, there's a lot of people that I would be okay with them drafting, and a lot of people would be okay with them drafting and would be good picks in the late teens and 20s. And then you can add on a late second or a third-round pick. If that late second or third-round pick, if you're looking at the current Florida Panthers prospect pool, that's what, Kalei Chanak, the best prospect? Like, their- somebody like Kalei yeah. Or Noel, literally their best skaters not named, you know, the best prospects not named Spencer Knight are basically this.
0: Or, are, or, or Tippett or Denisenko. Like, well, you well take those guys are going to
1: be, those guys are graduating. They're going to be on the NHL team next year. So they're graduating. <clears throat>
0: not, 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 well, not Knight, but yeah, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is trading back gives you an addition of one of your better prospects in your pool. Florida needs that. So I, I think that they can do the trade off of you know why not trade back to get to to take Maverick Bork or Marcus Mer- Dinov you know in the teens when you're likely the guy you're stepping up to take a 12 is likely going to be that same player anyway like okay, you, I, you, I
0: can I can buy that. I like, I mean, because
1: if we're talking about Caden Gould or Brendan Schneider, these are two defensemen, the two WHL defensemen that get brought up the most. Sanderson's not going to be there. I mean, if he's there, you can entertain that. I think 12 is when I'd start. I have Sanderson ranked 19. I have him ahead of Drysdale, who I have 20, which I think a lot of people will laugh at me. But, hey, I don't, you know. Listen,
0: the drafting is an inexact science. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that it, it's funny is, 'Cause maybe you could call this draft element like herding, like everybody's rankings converge towards the same spot. But you shouldn't have that. If you've got a, a a plan, if you've got an idea of what you want, you shouldn't herd. You know what I mean? Yep. You understand what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean like Kaden Gooley cannot handle a puck. Cannot make like they they talk about there's certain things that you just don't get better. Like, you just don't get offensive instincts. Like, they're, they're really hard to develop. You can get better and get your offensive instincts that you have more finely tuned. But, like, if you don't have an offensive instinct, you're not going to get it. Ghoulie really doesn't have it. He has a hard shot, and he's a good skater. And in juniors, you get away with it. But if you watch him make, like, breakout passes and stuff, he can't make a pass. Like, he's terrible at it. I wouldn't draft that in, in the first round. When you can draft those same type of defensemen in the third round all day every draft, we're talking, you know, Hugo Stife, We're talking, you know, other draft guys from the WHL, um, like Ronan Sealy or William Villanueva. We're talking about some Russians like Alexander Niskanen or Shakir Makomudilin. Like, why, why would you draft that so early? Brendan Schneider is a great skater. And can make great breakout passes and everything but he is he might as well get off the ice once he cross the, the puck crosses the red line because mm-hmm. he's not great at st- he gives up too much of a gap and i don't think he's ever going to be he his play style just isn't like he'll step up to make hits and everything but he's not going to step up and earn back possession in the neutral zone he's not going to be effective in the in the in the offensive zone and when the puck goes back to him it basically just goes right back down the wall or just blast off shin pads. Like he can get 40 points in the CHL this year because he's on the Brandon weekings. They're a good team. And you know, the CHL is seeing more scoring and higher port totals for everybody across the board. So, you know, it, just hitting that low benchmark. They always say, "of You want to draft a defenseman who at least, you know, scores, you know, a, you know, forty points in a full season." Well, the, I want to
0: bring that. NFL. I want to bring that up. What's really, really fascinating to me is because uh, somebody who used to work for the Panthers, Rich Jessup, was that's offside on Twitter. Very entertaining Twitter follow. I hope to maybe have him on the show one day to talk about some of this stuff. He he made a point about um, uh, what was the defenseman you didn't like that they drafted, and the entire Panthers fan base freaked yeah. out about.
1: Yeah, and and you know he and and I think he brings up great points about him. I don't agree with all of his points. I think he's definitely proven me wrong about some things, and he's become a solid defensive prospect when I thought he was not an NHL prospect to begin with. We should mention his name because we didn't John Ludwig. Yes, but but you also have to understand he was on one of the best teams in the WHL as one of the oldest players in the league, getting some getting the most minutes in the league. Of course, his points totals took off. Of course, you know he was—he was always a good neutral zone transition defenseman, good defensively, good plus minus. But the points, you know, he—he's not going to be getting power play time. He was getting a lot of power play time in junior. I mean, like you know, like there's it's, uh, and it's a great pick. I mean, I—I I like that type of pick. I'm happy they made it. I think it is something to brag about on Twitter. Uh, when your contracts is not renewed, um, for sure. I would have but, brought
0: him back, by the way, because I don't I, think that having those perspectives is bad. I, I, I like. I, I my point is, I, I, the I more could, you have, the better.
1: I could have brought him back and everything, but if we're looking at the results of what they've done, I'm not sure that it, what if if they could have applied it differently and they would have met more meshed with my draft style. I would have brought him back. Like, I just don't think Christ. that how Your draft they
0: style is, 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 is unique compared to everybody yeah, else. Like,
1: I just don't think that getting, um, really, you know, guys with good hands that are older and juniors that can, that are going to score a lot in their draft plus two years are that don't have good skate NHL level skating are good investments in the fifth round. Like, I just don't like, or, You know, like what they did when they were when they had the chance and in the draft and stuff like I don't think it netted out enough to automatically get another contract. But again, I'm I'm I would before having the conversation saying, can you do this with European Junior League? Can you do this with this type of defender instead of that type of defender? Or, you know, can you find me this instead of that?
0: So he had some interest. Uh, go follow his Twitter account. He he's going back over some drafts. But again, you know, past, I don't know. I don't,
1: I don't. I don't know what who the prospects he was arguing for in the draft. Yeah, table. we don't. We, we don't you know, know. So I, I don't it. want to attribute anything to him. Again, I would have loved to have him back if there's there's
0: well we'll we'll, we'll never know. Other yeah. than Ludwig, that's the only but, one that he he made he he made a swing for. So we we don't know. I just yeah. found that and, interesting. as But like I. Paper
1: but i think his, the overall argument that the that his tools are good offensively is false. Mhm. I think it's his tools are good enough that they um begin offense. Yes, i agree with that, but i don't think he's going to be good ever really going to be that great in i mean, i don't know, i don't want to get too on this. I Yeah. I think he has good enough offensive tools and I think confidence and being a leader on that team and being one of the best players in the league right now is what's what's doing it, but, you know. Yeah,
0: so it's interesting, With but just it was an interesting aside because I've been seeing it on Twitter the yeah. last couple of days.
1: But, I mean, one uh, idea I really want to talk about while we, while we have time and we're not really into a next topic is Emil Andre. I think this is a really big option at number 12, and I think if you were talking to anyone in the spring, uh, that would be batshit crazy he's a 510 defender who you know has played in the super elite league um but he's a february birthday so he's on the younger you know youngish and uh he, he's 510 but he is 183 185 pounds which is you know about what jake sanderson is listed at you know publicly and um Anton Lindell is listed at publicly, so he's pretty thick for his size. He he can throw hits in the neutral zone. He's really sturdy on the ice. He's, he plays like a Kimo Timinen style. Um, he's but it's like if Kimo Timonen had a little better o- offensive instincts and a little better hands because he was he grew up in the new rules hockey. Kimo Timonen didn't get to grow up in the new new rules hockey, uh, so he didn't really doesn't really have those like forward type hands where he can make those jukes on the blue line emil andre can but he's also really good defensively he's not a guy that takes risky breakout passes he's a guy that can jump and get two on ones and long passes for break breakaways and stuff but he's not the guy that's going to be you know keith yandel long bombing all the time and 40 percent of the time it ends up in the back of you know you know back in your zone behind your net either in possession or in the goal um so that's really interesting to me i think that is somebody that the new rules and where the defense is going this is this is somebody that could be a huge home run at 12 i mean and you're thinking well i mean what d really did someone take a swing on as early as 12 that really worked out i mean sanheim Travis Sandheim, right there, 12th overall. When he was drafted in Aaron Ackblad's draft, he was ranked in the 40s. Um, I walked, lit- I I literally walked right, you know, within social distance of Aaron Ackblad <laughs> and Travis Sandheim on draft day in Philadelphia that year. You would never, ever in a million years think Travis Sandheim is that same person looking at him now. You know, it's, it's, what what Reese Jessup did with Ludwig, what we expect to do with expect our teams to do every draft is very hard when we talk about defensemen because forwards you can rely on production. You can rely on what they've done recently, what they're doing right now. With defensemen, with center, you know, and with, you know, these maybe late rounds or more raw prospects, you know, not the top end guys, you really just have to go off of the basic tools, the building block skills they have. And then what makes you think that they're actually going to put it all together and being able to argue
0: back I'm going back in drafts, um, more recent drafts. Like I'm trying to think of the D that you're talking about. I don't really like, is there one from like 2016, 2017, but that, that makes the most that like fits that kind of, you know, cause there's a bunch of D that get taken every year in that range. Like, is there one that is that kind of like that for you or, or, uh, because Maybe. I'm trying to think,
1: I mean, there's a, there's been a ton of good defensemen that get drafted in the teens. I mean, we're talking Shabbat, we're talking, um, you know, Smith. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to go back into hockey. Yeah, DB. I'm
0: looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Let's, you know, like I'm thinking oof, who the heck knows. Uh, I mean, 2016. Let's let's do it for the sake of. Uh, we I don't do this intentionally, by the way. Um, it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating draft, obviously, for a bunch of reasons. And you look at that draft, like Chikrin, Dante Fabro was taken at that time, you know. And then the other guys that got taken were like Charlie, Stanley, McAvoy, Charlie McAvoy,
1: 2016. Yeah. Charlie McAvoy, 14. I mean, at 12, you could have drafted Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. I mean Dante Fabro is going to be a good NHL defense is going to be a top four NHL defenseman. And he's at 17. Dennis Ch- Dennis Chilosky, uh, got drafted solo because he came from the BCHL back then before Marcar well, and
0: came from it was Kale Makar, yeah, so. yeah.
1: But th- I mean this is, I mean there's still that stigma, but e- but even back in 2016 that stigma was much. Teams were much more not in the first round or not in the top not in the top 15 or. You know, this, this is kind of the first years that teams started to buck that trend. Um, and he's finally coming around, and he's going to be an NHL defenseman, possibly a top four. Um, I mean, I think Miguel Sergachev was ninth overall. But, yeah. there, you know, that's ty- that's – I don't – you know – Maybe you're maybe you're getting that type of defenseman. I think. I mean, when I look at the the top five defensemen, let's just let's just go to the the top five the 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 D that I would recommend drafting twelfth overall. Uh huh. Um, there's guys that you could say, oh, I really like Lucas Cormier. I really like Yoni Yermo. I really like Anton Johansson or Toby Niemela. Okay. Or I really like Braden Schneider. Okay. Then trade back and draft them. Fine. Uh, but. We're talking Helga Granz, William Wallander, Emil Andre, Jake Sanderson, Jamie Drysdale. Those are really the only D that I think are have that skill level. To the be, one
0: draft, mock draft I'm looking at, for whatever reason, has Florida drafting Nimala, but I don't think that means anything. I'm just saying.
1: That wouldn't be bad. I mean, Carpat, uh, they have a good development team. He... You know, he's six foot defender. He's he's a right shot, so that's coveted. They don't really need right now, you know, a right shot in the top four right now, but maybe in the future they will. I mean, he'd be fine. But again, I don't wouldn't do that at twelve. No, no, um, no. He
0: was he was I was at forty three. I'm just saying Oh yeah, 14.
1: 43. 43 would be great. I have him at thirty-six overall. So that's, that's right in line with, with my thoughts. Um but like Helga Granz, I like him because he's going to be an NHL defenseman. There's no doubt in my mind He's he's a May birthday. He's he's six three. He's going to be over 200 pounds. He can play on a power play. He can play penalty kill. He can play in all three zones and he's going to be an NHL defenseman. That's why to me he's the number one defenseman in this draft. But it's not just that it's he he plays like pronger he's trying to be that impact defenseman, that dynamic game-changing defenseman. And in a draft where I don't think there's that top tier or even a second tier of defenseman like you're not seeing those Pro Wahl, Seth Jones, Cedars, Heisken is McCar's. Um I'm going to go for somebody that's going to that that is young, has the good frame, uh, has pro experience. He actually played better when he moved up to the SHL. Some of that is, you know, being more uh, cautious, so you stay up instead of getting sent right back down. But it's also, you know, because he plays better in structure, which means he's going to translate to the NHL game a lot easier than other Europeans or Russians or
0: free willing defenders. I have a question on that line uh, about this. Because of the way that the pandemic is hitting and – we don't know what the U.S. college season is going to look like. The Q is going to try to play, but good luck with that, guys. Um, you know, like the, the like what would – because we know the, the, the KHL is playing right now because the Russians, they do everything dumb. You know, we're seeing the SHL, the Finnish League start. Is that something you think about in this draft? Yeah, I mean
1: college- – and, and I think it, it only benefits me who's already leaning to guys who already – who have – who are in those European pro developments – because, um, like,
0: like, like if you, if you're going to take a guy that may or may not play a, a college season cause of COVID, how the, the pandemic plays out, like they're playing for somebody like Wisconsin or Michigan, you know, big 10, or as somebody who's going to play in the right. Finnish elite league. Like, is that something that you would think about like this year? Cause you know, the guy in Finland's going to play, but you don't know how much the guy in Wisconsin's going to play.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really depends how close they are. Um, and how early in the draft, I think beyond the first round, I don't really you know maybe the second round if i'm in the top half or i really need to hit on this draft pick i think about it but um like in the top 15 of the draft i mean I, to me i always think that anyway that i already this guy's gonna have better development anyway and that's how i think so i always lean those guys but 18 19 years old this is when guys make the biggest gains so when you talk about oh he'll be a great player. They just need to fix his skating or he just needs a little more IQ or he just needs to settle this part of his game down or pick up this. They do it now, right now. This is like the age range where those things are possible to do. So if you're playing less or not playing as much or, and we don't know if this is going to affect the fall of college next year, it might, I mean, we don't know. Um, you know, Switzerland is going to be playing. Other players are going to be playing. We know that the World Juniors is going to be in a bubble. Yeah, I – I, I. Here's, here's how much I think about it. I have Anton Lindell ahead of Marco Rossi. Marco Rossi is supposed to be playing in Switzerland pro right now because he's a Swiss national. Um, but he's deferring it to – after the draft to find out what the team that drafts him wants to do, whether they want him to show up to camp or go to Switzerland or wait till after to see if he makes the team or whatever. Um, So, But if he was in Switzerland right now, I would have been tempted to put him over Lindell because I think the offensive potential to be an offensive – because I think Rossi has the potential to be a a 1C where I think Lindell is either a first-line winger – or a very good second line defenseman who's elite, center. or yeah second line center who is uh elite at defense and good enough at offense so I mean so a better it, to know basically uh a lot better I mean okay. we're talking more like Miko ko okay fine maybe, maybe a bit you know maybe not to the height where he's you know a good first line center or a first line center on a playoff team but
0: Okay. But I just, I find that curious because you don't know yeah. what, because like, as I said, they could be playing in Europe and like the Canadian Junior League yeah, this year. I mean... Complete dumpster fire, who knows?
1: I think it should. I think...
0: Also, it's kind of hard because other than Lafreniere, it's like how many guys are going to step in and play in NHL camp when it starts in January? Like, that's the other thing. Like, if you're going to take a guy who's already a development prospect, you might as well just do it this year because they're not going to play for you this year no matter what, so...
1: I mean, maybe Stutzla, because he has that experience. Holtz, maybe, because, again, he has pro experience, and he's the type of guy who, if you just tell him, all right, your role is to play third line, you're going to get offensive zone starts, and you're just going to be a shooter and fit into this line, he can do it. He doesn't have to be. You know, there's, like, a Raymond or Rossi or Perfetti or even – you know those guys have to be the guy like hold the puck more than the other guys on their lines. So if they're not going, if it's not working and everything, they're not. You know it's easier to have nights off and everything as an Alexander Holtz than a than a than a Raymond or a Rossi or a Perfetti. I think. Um, I should
0: mention because this is stupid how it comes out. The Penguins have just re-signed Jared McCann to a two-year contract worth a little
1: less than six million dollars. So uh, good, they weren't going to actually trade him. Good. Good, happy about it. I don't I didn't want to have to hear hear that all the time from Florida fans. So happy. I,
0: I didn't want to hear about it from the team um,
1: either. A forward that I think could play next year, but probably shouldn't for his development is Lucas Reichel. Uh this is somebody that a lot of people don't have in the first round. I have him ninth overall. He's nephew of Robert Reichel. His dad, Martin, also is a professional hockey player. Uh he is a fantastic skater. He can play all three positions. He he's a Swiss Army knife. He can play a lot of different styles, but what he does no matter how he's playing or if he's playing good or bad is get the puck to the middle of the ice and get it on net. Uh and to me in this draft where there's a, a lot of uncertainty in the middle of the first round, uh I'm going to take somebody with pro experience who's going to be playing This year, like we talked about, that it, you know, is going to translate well to the NHL style and drives pucks to the nets, creates high danger chances. Every shift is always involved as good defensively, like a Lucas Reichel, even though he's not maybe as, you know, as toolsy or as offensively gifted and skilled as some of the other guys in the draft. I think in the end, he's going to end up possibly producing more. And that's really what matters. So, uh, so I we- always like talking about Lucas Reichel. So I, I really wanted to get that out. Uh, also, I'm really high on William Wallinger. Uh, he's in the first round uh, in the 20s and stuff, or 18, maybe 19 uh, for some guys. I'm 14, my second overall defenseman. I think he could be the best defenseman in this draft. He's the best skater in this draft of the defenseman. He's super young. He's a July birthday. He's in moto. Um, he's going to be playing in the Alfenskin this year and that's the Swedish league. That's allowing, um, these loans and these, you know, NHL prospects allowed to come over for half the year. So his competition this year is going to be pretty high, higher than the second league in Sweden usually is. So that's really good. Um, and I think it's going to show, it's going to really help his development. He's a left-hand shot, and if you're thinking about who can actually grow and be a number one defenseman, he has more risk than the other other D in the top five that I talked about, like Drysdale or Sanderson or something. But uh, I think his ceiling is a lot higher because he can be that dynamic, game-breaking, Kale McCarr, high type defender if everything goes right. Um, and you can iron out a lot of his uh risky uh game style.
0: Anything else you want
1: to talk about with this draft as we start to wrap things up? Um no, just I I would I think that, you know, it's really open and I'm really leaning on IQ and 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 skill and guys that have uh you know the ability to be a lead at both ends or or very good at both ends and play center and play top four defense. Uh, Because that's, I think, the inefficiency in the draft. And if you want to do anything in the draft, it's find unique players. It's find the people. It's to find the talent that other guys aren't going to get and to make your value that way. Um, And uh, there's going to be a lot of wingers uh, going off uh, board. So I think you can really, if you're getting the best centers and the best D out of this draft, you're going to have great players in the future you're gonna have great trade assets in the future um because all these other teams aren't gonna have those guys
0: uh huh. i would have mentioned one thing uh just uh before we end this show because i don't know if you saw this story but obviously it's something that i want to talk about young man yannick duplessis i think you may have seen this uh he came out uh last week his story is now really starting to catch fire I'm not going to talk about the dynamics of that story in particular and what's happening with it, but obviously, he was a Q draft pick, late Q draft pick, uh, but he's played for AAA teams out in Atlanta, Canada, Uh, and his story is catching on, and he's getting hate because there are simple-minded blockheads out there. Uh, There's a lot more support for him, and that's very good. Please, if you see him on Instagram, tell him we're proud of you. Congratulations, you're doing a very good thing for a lot of people because this, this story took off a lot more than I thought it would. And obviously I've talked to a lot of people in this sport who have come out and some who haven't. So you have to think about uh, a lot of elements of this story and how this got a lot more play than it probably otherwise might have. And so it's a, it's a litmus test. How is hockey dealing with this story? How are we letting this 17 year old kid um, deal with something like this? And, it's going, I don't know what to say, better than I thought, but it's going decently well, so that's good. And I'm hoping that Yannick, of course, you know you're supported. There are a bunch of people out there who are very proud of you and happy for you. Um, but for the rest of hockey, support this kid because if you do that, then more kids like him could come out, and that's better for this sport which needs it desperately, especially we're getting, you know, 17-year-old kids. who are are coming out at this time, and that's very good. We need to see this sport make progress, and hopefully there's a little bit of progress we made with this story. So I wanted to mention that before we ended this show.